Sports stories from the 419 in Northwest Ohio brought to you by a voice you know. It's time to go around the area and around the Hearn. Hello there and welcome to another edition of Around the Hearn as we get ready to wrap up the month of September next week. Hard to believe that it's already happening, but a lot of things to get to as we kind of get across from the fall into the early part of winter, which is not all that far away. But we're not trying to skip the fall. Homecoming going on in a lot of places. I know St. Mary's is this weekend. They had a big bonfire last night. My buddy Denny Cisco, who I call football with on K94, did the uh, MC as usual, and I'm sure did a bang-up job. It wasn't 60 degrees, and I wasn't trying to take the uh, young lady that uh, lives in my house out to that quite yet, even though she uh, got her first hoodie. But outside of that, a lot of uh, things to get to. Had a lot of college news, a lot of golf news. Coming up here in a second, we'll have the uh, head soccer coach in Toby Bidlack at Continental. Just picked up his 200th career win. We talk about that and uh, so much more. And it's nice to hear people who are a fan of the show when they come on the show. Actually listen and uh, big thanks to him for the kind words as well. And it's all C's this week. Coldwater Volleyball coach Nikki Etzler talks about the uh, big matchup that the Cavaliers had last night as well as uh, a lot of things about her program. State ranked number two in Division three, right behind Ottawa Glendorf and right in front of Liberty Benton. Other rankings in the uh, volleyball world, number one, New Bremen. They have a big matchup coming out at uh, some point. They'll take on New Knoxville. Both teams sit at 5-0 and in the top of the league. You've got Coldwater, Fort Recovery, and St. Henry all at 3-2. and uh, It's probably going to come down to Bremen and Knoxville, but the uh, tournament season not... All that far away, as is women's basketball. On the collegiate level, Bowling Green State University announced Katie Hempling as one of the four captains for this upcoming season. And a big congratulations to her. Hopefully, we'll have her on before the start of the season. One of my favorite people to talk to in the entire world just breathes positivity and is going to have a big, big year. I believe it's going to be a redshirt senior the way that this year works out. I can't remember how that goes as far as the eligibility, because everything's all wonky because of COVID. But she gets another year to continue to dazzle on that floor at the Stroh Center. Speaking of Ottawa Glendorf, big things from alumni. The uh, number two Owens Rink Community College volleyball team got the OCCAC Player of the Week again in Maddie White. It's not a surprise. Broke a bunch of uh, service records last year at Ottawa Glendorf, now doing it up in the uh, Toledo area. And a big shout-out to Ohio Northern University quarterback Brody Hahn. Broke the school record, his own school record, 502 yards and seven touchdowns. And he wasn't just playing Madden football, but a 62-27 win last weekend over Wilmington for the now 2-1 Bears. And uh, a lot of things to be positive about. Going to try to have Dean Paul on at some point as well and talk about his polar bears. A lot of folks that uh, I would love to have on the show just kind of try to get one or two at a time. Golf tournaments all pushed back this week because Mother Nature threw a temper tantrum. BBC Boys Golf Tournament just finished up a little bit ago. It was won by Liberty Benton as they shot a uh, league at best 978 as a uh, squad. Van Buren finished second. PG finished third. Bryce McDaniel named the uh, player of the year in the Blanchard Valley Conference. Northwest Conference was backed up again a day at Moose Landing Country Club as they uh, got to uh, play a lot of uh, low 80s, including Zach Miller, who finished just behind Lincoln View's Evan Miller with a 79. 
Zach Miller shot an 82. Lincolnview had a 338 as a team. That was the best of the entire group. WBL golf tournament going on right now at Pike Run Country Club. Wapakoneta just teed off a little bit ago. Hopefully, we'll have the results of that next week. Maybe even be able to get somebody on to talk about it. And uh, turn to the world soccer. The Shawnee Boys win their 25th Straight Western Buckeye League contest last night. They now have a loss for when this comes out. Almost three years to the day. September the 25th of 18, they lost 2-1 to one to Kenton. But not anytime soon. They've got a couple of big matchups coming up in their own right. They sit at 3-0 and in the uh, WBL. Ottawa Glendorf right behind them at 3-1. and one. Those two teams meet in what could be a uh, deciding game in the Western Buckeye League on October the 4th. That matchup happening in Glendorf. But on the uh, girls' soccer side, OG and Shawnee, both unbeaten in the WBL. They meet next Thursday night at Shawnee in a 7 o'clock matchup. Before that, it doesn't get any easier for the Titans, though, because coming up on Monday, they take on 5-1 and one Salina at uh, the uh, Titan Soccer Complex out there in Glendor. If you can't make it, you can listen on at WZOQ Radio at 7 o'clock. Volleyball, talked about Bremen and Knoxville. They've got a, a matchup coming. Both sit at 5-0 and that will likely determine the league just like last year. WBL, same teams that normally decide the league. The last team to actually beat the Ottawa Glendorf Titans will get a chance to try to do that in Ottawa and end that 45, I believe actually now 46-match winning streak after last night. The uh, Titans and Bulldogs both sit at 5-0. and They meet next Thursday night in Ottawa. That one again on WZOQ Radio. Wapak, their only loss came to OG. They sit back there at 4-1. and They, too, still have Salina on their schedule. Northwest Conference Volleyball, Lincoln View went to Spencerville last night, picked up a three-set win, and continues to be the class of the Northwest Conference, ranked in the state, as are the Ellipsic Vikings, a team that Lincoln View beat already in the year. And a uh, big shout-out to the Spencerville Bearcat ladies for beating Delphus Jefferson last week, not only just for beating Delphus Jefferson, but for uh, doing that and uh, stopping a huge NWC lost streak that dates back a handful of years. They were able to, I believe it was 47 games in a row that they were able to put a stop to. And uh, also, as a shout-out to a lot of folks doing a lot of big things, Tanner Spangler from Anna, seven goals in Anna's 10-0 victory over Coldwater. It's actually the Coldwater team's first loss on the WOSL calendar. And Lynn Grohl, who's been on the show recently, you can go back and find it on uh, around the Hearn, on the hashtags, on the social media, wherever you get your podcasts, says that Archibald scheduled to play St. Henry starting next year, August the 26th, in week two for the next four years. It'll rotate, obviously, two home, two away. And Liberty Benton will play Columbus Grove the next two years. That'll be kind of in the BBC, obviously, but looking at more of an independent schedule with there being a lack of teams in the Blanchard Valley Conference, Columbus Grove, Gets them in week two the next two years. 2022, it'll be at Liberty Benton. 23, it'll be in Columbus Grove. So that's a look at kind of a shorter version of the news and notes for this week. We'll talk Coldwater Volleyball with Nikki Atzler when we come back and a Continental Soccer with Toby Bidlack as we continue here on Around the Hearn. 
I'm with Eric McCracken, Lee Kinsel, GM Sales and Service, 650 West Irvin Road, Van Wert. We have left the dealership, and we are in a beautiful Buick. Eric, what are we in? 2021 Buick Enclave Avenue, Billy. This thing is the bomb. I tell you what, cruising down Irvin Road, just smooth as ice and a lot of features. I like the cooled seats. You know, when it's summertime, cooled seats are a nice feature. Keeps my back from getting all sweaty. Absolutely. This has the cooled seats. It's all-wheel drive. Beautiful chestnut interior. These cars are appointed one of the finest luxury cars in the world, and they do have three rows of seats. And everybody loves the room this car offers. Big V6 motor. A lot of fun to drive, and they really turn heads. I noticed the backup camera, but I also noticed a camera overhead. How's that doing that? From a satellite in the sky? That's the bird's eye view. What it does is uses about six cameras around the car. It's a very safe vehicle. One of the many vehicles waiting for you, Lee Kinsel GM Sales and Service, 650 West Irvin Road, Van Wert. And remember, find new roads. Welcome back now as we talk about the uh, state-ranked Coldwater volleyball team with the uh, head coach in uh, Nikki Etzler. Nikki, first of all, congratulations to you guys on what so far has been a great start to a year. Yeah, it has been a great start. A great start to the year. We're excited about where we're at right now, and um, the kids are doing such a good job in the gym, working hard. So we're just trying to get better each day. How much nicer was it to be able to have your off-season stuff this year as opposed to last year with everything that went on? Oh, for sure. So, uh, you, you know, I think that's a difference maker for um, a lot of, for us and for a lot of teams, um, just being able to work with the girls out in the season. Um, it, it helps, you know, um, volleyball is, you know, a lot of muscle memory. And so just that contact point, whether it be with your platform or with your hands or, you, you know, the overhead attack is, is important to be able to get quality reps throughout the course of the year. So, um, you know, having a season in the summer for us, like having that, you know, that um, summer season is we were able to go to, you know, have a camp. We were able to go to the Super 20 tournament. Um, we were able to compete against some of the teams that we like competing against in the, in our scrimmage schedule. That makes a big difference to allow the girls to grow in an environment where wins, losses aren't a part of that yet. And so they can take a lot of risks and hopefully get the reward here you know, October, November, so. Well, and I know that you obviously run the gauntlet throughout the MAC and with everybody else that you play throughout the course of the year, but what's that like with the Cavaliers spike off always starts the year? It's such a big event. I know, I'm sure after a couple of days, Eric Goodwin's probably looking for a nap, but I mean, what a great way to start the season, especially to get ready for that run you'll have. Oh, it is, and just the quality of teams that come to the spike off. We, we didn't get to have that last year. And, um, you know, you only could have one match in a day. And so having that this year, uh, well, first of all, it gets to test your, like, physical, where you're at as far as in, in shape physically, but also mentally because you have to be in it, you know, for those three matches, whether they go three sets or not. Um, so we, we love the spike off. We love to get to host it and the teams come in. And um, so that's a great springboard to see. Um, you know, what the girls are capable of doing at the beginning of the season, getting us prepared for max play. Um, so, yeah, and that just leads right into um, to max play. And this year, you know, we've our first match was against New Knoxville to start out the max. We had played them in the spike off in the finals, and um, and then you play them right out of the shoot for max. So uh, it was it's, it's brutal, but it's, it's good. It really is good because it does prepare you. Um, and it shows your weaknesses, so you can really work on those throughout the course of the season. Well, and then, of course, you guys beat them in the spike off 
and you lose in the MAC one three to one. I mean, were they able to see something maybe in the finals, or was it just a case of you know they played really well? Yeah, they did play really well against us, and they sort of received. Um, I felt like so much better in in the MAC um, contest than they did in at the spike off, and so we felt like our serving wasn't as tough. Um, the matchup changed too, as far as their lineup and their rotation. So um, that gave us the opportunity to see where we're you know, struggling where we couldn't get, you know, opportunities for us to run our offense. Um, and then our defense, it showed some of our weaknesses when our defense. So when we got back in the gym after that match, we just started grinding on those weaknesses to try to make them strength. Is it easier to recruit teams to come be a part of the spike off? Like teams are coming to you guys now uh, more than, let's say it was at the beginning of, you know, this is what we're doing. And, and now you're getting obviously very high quality programs, even outside of the Mac. Right. Um, well, generally, teams don't want to leave the spike off. So we don't really have to recruit teams to come and, and play in the spike, out, spike off because they want to be there. They want to be testing their team, you know, super early in the season. So um, I don't know. I'd have to ask Mr. Goodwin about that one. Well, you know, who knows what he's going to say. <laughs> Last time yeah, I was over there, I saw him carrying water up the stairs for the soccer team. He's a little bit of everything. He, he You know, he does just such an outstanding job at Coldwater, making sure that everybody, you know, is running on all cylinders. So, and really works hard to create a schedule for us to, to be successful, to play some teams that really challenge us. So, you know, he, he really walks on water for us. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm going to edit that part out. We're just not going to tell him that. <laughs> um, when you get to the tournament, I, obviously I'm jumping kind of a little bit ahead here because I, I'm curious about this. Is it, it's not easier because of the, the competition that you'll see, but is it is it a little bit easier on kind of your brain in that you're a different division from a lot of the MAC that you don't have to run that gauntlet that they all end up in the same district? You know, I think that's so difficult. And, um, you know, I just wish that our our Northwest District could, to, could think about another way to do that so that they didn't all have to run the gauntlet again uh, because there's so many great teams in the MAC and, to have that opportunity to play, you know, not in the sectional final, but whether it be the district or the regional, you know, I, I think that all the MAC coaches always talk about that um, in deep discussion on how uh, that could be better for the teams in this area, not all coming together. But as far as D3 goes, you know, we we are in the district with Liberty Benton, who's a great program, and Ottawa Glandorf, who's a great program. So, you know, when you go that way as well, you, you still hit some powerhouse programs. Um, and and so we always look forward to that because, you know, they're, we respect their program and what they're doing there. But um, it, again, you know, is a conversation piece of how are the teams um, district, you know, like how, how, how do they organize that in a way that, you know, you, you'd like to see two teams come out of your region from this area into the state final opposed to the way that it happened. Um, and, you know, that presents some controversy for teams that are up north as well. They they would rather us not come their way <laughs> or, or the south, you know. so um, I think that's in any sport. Yeah, yeah, it is. Well, it is. it's so crazy because I remember the year that four of the top five teams in the state were all in Van Wert, and Audeville yeah. was in there, and they were ranked, I think, 10 or 11 at that point and it was just kind of crazy to kind of watch it and like you said it was such a shame that only one team came out of that 
it, it is. It really is. Um, and I think that's for, uh, you know, we, we brought that discussion and those points um, to our, our board. And, uh, you know, we hope they continue to think about that and think of a way that it could be routed a little bit differently, maybe more like the South. Well, you should have some pull, right? I mean, you're on the DA board. Uh, well, I'm, I'm a district trustee. Oh, that should be OAC. good enough. I don't sit on the board. I've been able to have a conversation with them, but I think that a lot of the MAC coaches um, would also like to be a part of that conversation. Well, and it's a thing that could possibly work its way to your district this year because as it sits right this second, the number one, number two, and number three teams in the state in Division Three are all in that district. They are. They are. Um, yeah, and it, um, it happens in baseball and it happens in basketball. Um, you know, football has found a way to um, make other teams have an opportunity. Um, and so I, I just hope, you know, volleyball is such a, it's such an exciting sport and the fan base is there from programs like Liberty Benton and OG and all of the Mac schools. So I think teams would be willing to travel to play outside of, you know, all of the great teams in the district and, and get an opportunity to play in the regional. So, um, you know, our fan base is there to travel. It's just something that um, sometimes we don't have control of. We can keep bringing that to their attention, but um, uh, they have to be the decision makers because they're a part of the board. So, Something a little bit different. Uh, I always want to ask volleyball coaches this because volleyball lends itself to one odd thing in that when you play tri-matches specifically – as a coach mm-hmm. in terms of preparation going into that, normally a Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon against two different opponents, or, or even really, even with the spike golf, where you might not know the list of teams that you're going to face in that day, do mm-hmm. you get just a little bit of a practice maybe for each one, or is it just we're going to go out and just kind of do what we do and see what happens? You know, I think within the spike off, um, you're, you're really focusing on your side. Where are you at right now? And what do you want to do? What type of tempo do you want to run in your offense? What do you want to do defensively? Um, you know, that's your core. And then you make adjustments. Um, and then as you get into, like, the season, that's when the scouting becomes really essential. Like, you know, what do they do in this rotation offensively and out of serve receive? And what matchup do you want with their attackers and where their setter is? So I think, you know, just at the start of the season – you know, especially just for us in the spike off, we're really just taking care of our side and what we need to focus on. Um, and then, you know, as you write after you get out of spike off, I mean, that scouting is, is pretty important. Um, I, and our, for us, it's very important. Um, and like I said, in looking at matchups. So, you know, I think it's the spike off is two out of three. So that also puts some pressure on the girls because, you know, you have, you have to win best two out of three. It's not three out of five. So your focus and your attention to what you're doing and runs of points, um, you have to be on it. Um, does that lend into the three or the five set match? Sure, it does because you you certainly want to win your match is three out of five. But um, just really honing in on the focus and taking care of runs of points, I think, are what you're what we try to focus on when we're working on a two out of three set. You've got a pretty big week coming up in a seven-day span. You go to Versailles, obviously something that will mean something to you and that you're home against Salina and then yeah. home against Fort Recovery. I mean, I know that your schedule doesn't have an open spot where you go, okay, we can breathe, we can take this one easy. But, I mean, that's yeah. really not true the next seven days. 
It isn't. It isn't. So we just need to make sure the girls are healthy um, and that they have legs. Their legs are good to compete and um, their mindset is confident. So that's what our practices will focus on. And then just making sure we give the girls good information about what their matchups are going to be and what we hope to do against each one of our opponents. Um, And so, yeah, it's a gauntlet. Well, and it's crazy, too, because obviously looking back, sort of the looking back, looking forward, it doesn't affect this game at all. But, I mean, you look at the Versailles-Coldwater matchup, it's obviously led to a lot of high-caliber matchups. Oh, yeah, I mean, including a state championship matchup. Sure, sure. Um, you know, it's, it's always fun to play Versailles um, simply because they're so high energy. And um, their excitement and their defensive their de- defensive pursuit is um, something that we always try to um, make sure that we're focusing on in our game. Um, and so when we play Versailles, it's a good test of where we're at in those regards. Like, how are we controlling the emotion of our game and the me- momentum on our side of the court and making sure that the way that they attack it, we don't get affected by that. Um, and then defensively, we just, you know, it's a, we really try to focus on taking, making sure that no ball hits the floor, that we are going after everything because Versailles isn't going to let a ball drop. They're just not. Um, and I, I always feel like uh, Kins does a great job getting her teams from where they're at in A, and they grow so much through the season. So um, to face them, you know, Thursday night, we'll, we'll see where we're at, too. And coming off of this, you know, close loss to New Greenan, how are we going to respond? So that'll be good for us to, to see as well. Also gives you a chance to jump right up in that uh, second spot in the MAC. But you're 12-2 right now. Obviously, the two losses to very good teams in your conference, the two unbeaten teams in your conference, what's the thing right now maybe people don't know or don't realize about Coldwater Volleyball that they're going to by the time this year is over? Well, I think that um, when uh, our girls compete, they compete for each other, and they they really truly try to take care of each other on the court. And so that team chemistry, I think, is is a lethal component of, of who we are. Um, and the girls just work hard in practice and are very intentional on what they want to get better at. So I think that there's room to grow. I, I don't think we're peaking right now. I think that, that we're able to grow in this process of the season. So, um, you know, we're excited to see where we're going to be tomorrow. And then, you know, come mid-October where we'll be um, with those um, focus points of, you know, team chemistry, taking care of each other, and uh, really just being intentional about what we need to work on and how we can get better. It's crazy to me that we're almost at the point where we're thinking about the first round of the tournament. I'm not sure we're thinking about it just well, yet. Well, all right, looking at the schedule, <laughs> right. <laughs> That's fair. Um, but that'll be um, in our minds, you know, after we finish our, our um, not after these seven days, but, you know, as we finish up max play. But, um, you know, because we, we just really have to keep our eye, you know, on our next opponent. Um, but, you know, the tournament is always exciting. It, it always is an exciting time of year. So, I always just feel like with volleyball, we just start the season, and then all of a sudden we've reached the tournament. Oh, for sure. It's so quick of a season, and you're playing Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and it's a lot of matches, but, um, you know, it, it, it's just such a great sport. It's, you know, such high energy, and, um, you know, it's probably the reason why it's one of the fastest-growing sports in America right now. And it, it, it's just so much fun to be a part of. 
I know half the time that I'm calling games, I'm trying to get words out of my mouth before a point is up and down. Oh, yes, it's not always it an is. easy thing to do. I'm, I, I'm sure it's not. I mean, I, I always love the little expressions of like what a commentator will say, like the wraparound or the candy cane <laughs> or I don't know. They'll have some funny, uh, funny lines that, you know, we're like the wraparound. What is that? That must be the slide. So you guys make it fun and interesting <laughs> to listen to. After a while, you, you realize there are words you want to use, but they're not the words that are coming out of your mouth. I say things all the time <laughs> where I, I go back and listen and think, what was I trying to explain there? Right, right. And so much happens within that, you know, usually you play a, a, a like a side out. It's like maybe 30 seconds at most. And so you have to really think quick on your feet within those 30 seconds. And then next serve is up and you're on it again. So I bet you're tired after announcing. A little bit. A uh, handful of five matches or five set matches I've had. I just kind of afterwards was like, why am I exhausted? <laughs> I tried to say 3,000 words during that. Right, right. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I, I wish you and the girls the absolute best of luck. Thank you. We're, we're, you know, just feeling very blessed with the girls that we have in the program and what they're providing for us, you know, as a coaching staff to come in each day and work with them. is just a blessing. And for our community, we're so proud that they represent us and what Cold Water stands for. So thanks for having us on. I'm happy to do it. I hope that sometime I have to try to regurgitate words while you guys are playing. That would be great. That would be great. That's the uh, Coldwater head coach in and Nikki Etzler back with more here in just a couple of minutes. Tony's on Main Street in Ottawa, home of the Titan Burger, and if you're really hungry, the Cow Tipper. Tony's grounds their hamburger meat each day. Each patty is fresh and never frozen and not cooked until you order it. Don't forget to add some of the great sides like French fries, pickle fries, and their great breaded mushrooms. While you're there, you can't forget to get some of their great ice cream, ice cream treats, and frozen yogurt. Tony's on Main Street in Ottawa, making burger history since 1962. Welcome back now as we get ready to talk about girls soccer. And last night, a momentous occasion in Continental as Toby Bidlack, the head coach of the Continental Girls Soccer Program, picked up win 200. That's, uh, that's not a thing that a lot of guys get. I mean, congratulations to you. Well, thank you very much. Uh, it's just a sign of uh, longevity and I guess just sticking with it for, for a number of years and, and then being really fortunate to have some uh, wonderful assistant coaches and, and some fantastic players and, and that come from great families and great school and community support. It's kind of all those things rolled together into one that helped uh, achieve milestones like what happened last night. I knew that was going to be your answer because I swear that there's like a – is there a book that they give to coaches – that at any point you can just flip through of if this happens, answer this way. Um, no, no, I'm not aware of it. Uh, I do read a lot. I, I've yet to come across that, but uh, but it is you know I common see you do see you know coaches. I mean, I guess we understand that it's it's never just one thing. It's it's a combination of several factors, and and of course uh, with some of those wins, especially in a sport like soccer, uh, luck is involved um, to some degree in, in some of the situations. I was just joking about that because I swear I've interviewed hundreds of coaches and everyone that has hit a milestone is, well, it just proves that I'm getting older and that I've been around for a while. Yeah. Yeah. I had a, you know, my friends, they're, they're great about keeping me grounded. You know, the one friend's like uh, the winningest coach in girls soccer history at Continental. And then I was reminded that I'm also the losingest coach in Continental. 
girls soccer history as well because well I've been the only coach so so I've got both ends covered I mean friends are great but also sometimes it's just just leave me alone yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it's funny how that works though but I mean it really is a testament because people don't realize you have in a good year what 15 20 matches in a year I mean that's that's the sign that well the joke is either they didn't have anybody else who wanted the job or that you were doing a good enough job not to be the first of two coaches. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not sure how many options there were when they when they hired me back in that 2003. But um, yeah, you're right. I mean, when you play basically 15 to 20 games a season, and um, you know, you just you know we're a, we're a small school here, very small school here. So um, you know, like this year, I've only got 13 players on my roster. I've had years where I've had you know 22, 23 players. So usually we kind of hover in that 17, 18 mark, but. Um, you know, you just, you just take what, what, uh, you know, those, those girls that want to come play and, and you, you figure out a way to, to make it work, uh, with that group there and you just do the best you can. And like I said, I've been really, really fortunate to have some, some, some girls that are just unbelievably talented and, and are really committed to, to their craft and being the best they could possibly be. Well, and it's kind of crazy. I mean, you think back to, uh, when you founded this program and when you're trying to get girls to get this started, I mean, what was that like? Did did you have because you don't have obviously you're talking about being a smaller school a huge selection of athletes in that school that you know did you have to kind of beg and borrow for a little bit until you got the program established um the the first year we they, so they, they had a they had a sign up and they had a number of girls that were interested i want to say somewhere in the neighborhood of 18 uh sound, seems to be the number that uh, sticks in my head over the years um before but they didn't have a coach and then um when they were looking for somebody. And at the time I was just, I was finishing up uh, college. And so I wasn't really sure what my future held. And so I kind of, uh, I really didn't, I didn't throw my name in the hat and, and that the incoming freshman class, I have a younger sister that was going to be in that class. She was an eighth grader, going to be a freshman. And so I knew the, the collection of girls, there was five girls in that class that played. And so, um, I had helped out a little bit when they, as they were go- growing up, my dad, uh, was a coach for me. And I'd help out some here and there. And, and so I, I know that they were really pushing for me to apply and, and, and get the job. I don't know how the rest of the girls uh, felt about it uh, for sure because I, I really didn't know them. But that first year when it was all said and done, when the wash was out, we had uh, 14 girls. Um, but we worked really hard um, that year. And we, we still had a 500 record that first season. Um, but we worked really hard to, to, to get a few other uh, players to join. And so the next year um, we get a few players that – uh, they're not necessarily, they weren't necessarily soccer players. They were just good athletes that could, you know, it was like chase after the ball and kick it that way, you know, type of thing. Um, but the, the second year, we, we, we go 15 and five and we, we make it to the district level of the tournament. And so we got that momentum early on and it created um, some excitement. And, you know, we've been just trying to keep that going ever since then. Get the ball and go that way. I believe that's the Ted Lasso approach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have yet to watch that show, but I hear everybody that that's watches says, Toby, you have to watch this show. This is like the perfect show for you. I could see that. The first season especially when he comes over from being a football coach and he has to try to navigate everything going on. The second season isn't as much about soccer as it is more about the personalities with a soccer background, but the first one is definitely something that you – sit down and you get through the 10 episodes and you're like, wait, hold on. What just happened? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I need, I need to check it out. Uh, it sounds fantastic. 
I just finished uh, today's episode because they, with the second season, they put them out week by week, and I'm not a very patient person, and it's kind of the worst thing. Maybe you wait until, you know, you don't have to do that to watch the show. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, I'm. Uh, that's, a, that's the old school route, you know, where you have to wait a week for the next episode to come out. Yeah, so it sucks. That, that, that's speaking more my language. I, I'm not all up into, you know, where they release the whole season at the same time, and then you, you sit around and watch it for six hours a day. I, I can't do that. I can't sit still that long. See, my problem, though, is I've been a party to both, where I remember yeah. what that was like growing up about we had to wait. But I'm also of the theory that I have to find out what happens next because my brain spends a whole week thinking about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I don't know. Something about that, I guess, too, is that uh, I always enjoyed the the banter you'd have, or like when you know the water cooler talk you'd have, uh, as far as you know what's going to happen next. And you you sit there and you rack your brain and you talk to the other people that are watching the show, and and uh, you know you have some fun with that. So you know, I guess I enjoy I enjoy a little bit of that anticipation that happens there. That maybe it just kind of I don't know. I that you know that's the old school person in me. Well, uh, I get that. Now you just go on Twitter and it's just a cesspool, but everybody's yeah, got their yeah. answers, you know. But no, for me, it works out perfectly because I can put it on while I'm trying to feed a baby or get a baby to go to sleep, and all of a sudden it's three or four episodes later, and thankfully she's still sleeping. Yeah, I get you. I get you. Yeah, my kids are, uh, my youngest is, is eight, and my oldest is uh, just about ready to turn 16. So we're in that mode right now where. Uh, if I get home before like eight o'clock, we call it an early night uh, you know, because all all three of my kids are in into soccer. They love it, um, you know. And so between us going to their games and and like tonight, our boys have a have a big game against Kaleida. It's always a big game here. So as soon as our practice is done, it's like the whole family is making a beeline to the uh, to the to the field so we can watch the boys uh, take on Kaleida. And and so it's 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 just a something that's in in my family's blood here. So we're we're pretty excited about, um, you know, how well we're doing this year. We're excited about how well the boys are doing um, and just a lot of energy and a lot of excitement around here. Well, and of course, you've got that long trip to Miller City in the morning. Yeah, yeah, long trip. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, you know, that's been a been a, a big game for us over the years. I and mean, Miller City has always, always been a great battle because, uh, you know, the proximity and, and so you have that rivalry um, going there. And, um, you know, it's just always a, a, a good, intense, well played, you know, hard fought game, and so we're always, you know, we're always looking forward for those things because it's those type of games that challenge you, and, and you learn something about yourself, and, and hopefully you come out of it better at the other end. First four games this year, you drop the first three, you get a tie with Jefferson in the fourth, and then you just start going on a shutout spree. What was the click, or what was the difference between the first four games to the next four games? Well. Um, so yeah, the first uh, first three games in particular, we played some some quality opponents. Uh, Kenton's uh, very solid. They got to, they got a couple of attacking players that were extremely fast. Um, Riverdale's always solid uh, for us. They're a great possession team. Uh, they they uh, physical. They know how to use their body well. And Wasion, uh, which may have been the best of the three teams, uh, was was like Riverdale, but a notch above. And so um, those teams really challenged us defensively, and we did a lot of work. And uh, if you look at those games, our Ken game was actually called short uh, due to lightning and, and such that night. Uh, but we gave up five goals essentially in 60 minutes. And then the next game, we gave up five goals again, but we played the full 80. 
And then against Wauseon, we only gave up three goals, and the third goal came with uh, about two and a half minutes left in the game. So we could see ourselves getting better defensively, even as we played better opponents. And so, um, so we, you know, we were just confident that uh, things were starting to click for us. And then, then it came into the Jefferson game, which was basically the first game of the year where we got to play um, some offense uh, or a considerable amount of offense. Actually, we had, I think, 28 shots in the game. But we hadn't had, we, you know, up to that point, we didn't have that many opportunities. So we were having a hard time finishing in a game scenario. And so then, you know, since then, we've kind of been able to balance both of those. And, and yes, our defense has been uh, much improved, but then offensively, we're getting uh, better and more efficient with our uh, finishing opportunities. And so it's just a the combination of all those things working together is what's, uh, what's led us to this bit of a run we're on right now. Your last handful of games before you go to tournament, and I realize that seems like a long time away, yet it doesn't. I mean, you've got – your schedule doesn't do you any favors. I guess the good news is you get about 60% of them at home. But, I mean, you've got some who's who of teams that are playing well right now. Yeah, yeah, we've got – I mean, we, we know the back half of our schedule is loaded. It's kind of – it's been like that from, from basically the beginning. It's, not all the opponents have been the same. But, um, yeah, you know, you talked about uh, we got four league opponents left, uh, North City, Grove. Audeville and Kaleida in that order, and basically we play one of them each week. You got Miller City tomorrow, Grove next Thursday, Audeville the following Thursday, and then Kaleida the following, I think it's Monday um, after that. So there's that gauntlet. In the meantime, you throw in there, you know, an Archbold, an LCC. I mean, these are just, you know, high-quality opponents um, there. But uh, but, but this gauntlet, uh, we like it. It, it, it. it tests us. It tests our resolve. And, uh, you know, we feel like that that's helped lead us to um, you know, some of the tournament success we've had is that if we can make it through that gauntlet and we, we can, you know, still be uh, moving forward, we feel like we're ready to take on anybody. How much have you seen it since you started this program of uh, the landscape in Northwest Ohio specifically change as far as girls' soccer goes? Because I know even in the last couple of years with all of the leagues and the WOSL, it seems like it just kind of continues to grow when we're finally getting to that point where, as a whole, people are paying attention. Yeah, the game, the game has grown uh, tremendously. Um, you know, one of the things I, I get that, this question quite a bit because, you know, I've been coaching for such a long time, you know, what has changed? I tell you, the biggest thing for me that's changed is that, you know, in the early years, maybe the first uh, eight, ten years I coached, um, you know, when you had 11 players on the field, if you could get basically four or five of them to be soccer players, and then the other one's just, you know, good athletes that can, that can go the entire game and basically, you know, make sure you kick the ball forward type of thing. Uh, you could have some success. Uh, nowadays, I mean, you gotta have, you gotta have, uh, soccer players all over the field. Uh, just the quality of players that, like I said, the, the, the eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh starter on those teams, uh, years ago, I don't want to take anything away from them, but, uh, the, but the, the, the demands as far as how good you had to be as a soccer player wasn't as high as what it is now. Uh, teams get get a weak link. It's uh, uh, you get exposed uh, right away, and so the balance and, and then you see that all over the place. Um, as far as like different teams, you know that, that ebbs and flows uh, over the years. I remember when I first started, um, Miller City and Onville were the top two dogs in the in the county, and um, you know so we were just trying to climb that mountain. You know it was it was it meant everything in the world to to beat those two teams because they were phenomenal, and then. Then after that, you know, Kaleida and, and us had a, had a run for a number of years where we 
played each other for for the league title, and and now it's a uh, it's a little bit more balanced out right now. The teams are a little bit more even. And of course, we've added growth in here in the recent years, and so um, that's created another uh, challenge there. But you know, it's just the last few years, it doesn't feel like we have necessarily one standout team. It's we've got you know uh, four or five whatever teams you know that are very competitive with each other, and it's just a matter of you know within our league. Man, who's having who's having a good night when you play? Um, oftentimes, is going to decide you know who, who wins the league title. So, um, yeah, it's it, it, it just become more and more competitive over the years, and, and and the exposure, the chance that girls get to play soccer, uh, you know, is growing here in Northwest Ohio. Um, so it's just kind of you know all those things that's led to a higher caliber of soccer now than overall than, than what we saw. Um, you know, when I first started. Well, it is kind of crazy how fast that the season goes because I swear we were just talking about the kickoff with Kenton on August 26th. Now we're almost a month removed from that, and we barely have a month left of the regular season. Oh, yeah, and not even a month after that, the season will be over. It's just crazy how the fall flies right by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and we tell that, you know, especially the new player, like the incoming freshman, um, you know, we're like you know, preseason seems like forever. You're there in August. It's hot out. You know, you got those uh, three weeks there that you're uh, going at and it just feels like it's never going to end. And we always, you know, the upperclassmen and the coaches are talking to the freshmen and, and just trying to keep their spirits up. And they're like, trust me, once the games hit, you'll blink twice. You'll be in game eight. You'll blink, blink a third time. Next thing you know, October's there. You blink the fourth time and you're in tournaments and, and your season's you know, on the line at that point in time, I said, you know, just like I said, once that middle of August or uh, towards the end of August, when the, when the games start, um, man, that snowball gets rolling downhill and it gets rolling fast. I'd imagine the girls are a lot happier because they don't have to listen to you for two hours at a time during practice in that span. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. We get these games going and yeah, we shorten up practices a bit. And yeah. They don't have to, they don't have to listen to me nearly as much. Well, it's crazy too, because you have, one of the few schedules where uh, this year, at least, where you play predominantly on grass with a lot of these places going to turf, how have you noticed the difference? I mean, do you coach the difference in anything other than the bounces, or is it a complete kind of overhaul about how you run things? Um, well, yeah, you know, we, we play uh, only a few games, like when we play at Defiance or we play uh, at uh, LCC at Lima, you know, that those games are on turf. And, um, you know, we there's not really a whole lot we can do to, to replicate it. Maybe go play on the blacktop, but usually I don't want to risk that, uh, risk the injury uh, factor. But, you know, we just talked about how you know, in the grass uh, we might be able to lead our teammates a, a few strides. You know, here on the turf, you've got to play it basically right on their foot. Um, because if not, that ball just takes off and rolls, and and so that's you know that's always a challenge for for schools like us to you know who are used to playing on grass uh, you know ninety for ninety five percent of the time uh, to have to make that switch uh, there. Now I feel like my teams in recent years have done a better job with that than than the teams I had uh, the previous you know ten years. Um, you know they seem to really struggle with uh, with the turf situation. Um, but but recently we've gotten a little bit better about that. Well, it helps that he had Alex for so long, and she could play on the moon and probably score five goals. Yeah, yeah, Alex is a phenomenal player uh, for me, and and uh, she, I, I absolutely enjoyed coaching her. Um, she 
you know, her and I had such a good relationship. She, she was just somebody that, uh, you know, even, even to this day, it's not, a, you know, about once a month or so, uh, next thing you know, I get a phone call you know, or I'll call her and Hey, what's happening? How's it going? You know, what's, uh, what have you been doing lately and all this stuff here. So, um, you know, we still, I, I still try to keep in contact with, with all my alumni, but, uh, uh Alex and I, like I said, we still, we're still are, are pretty close and still talk to each other on a regular basis. I still always feel like you have to have a handful of names and you can get this on any Putnam County roster, but you have to have, I believe an army on every roster. Is that true? <laughs> yeah. It, it seems like an army, a tagging camp. Uh, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a common one. Um, here. Yeah. So it's a, there's, there's, every school I think has a few of those names. Uh, they just seem to, you know, how do, how do we, how is there still more, you know, armies, how are there still more taking camps and so on and so forth. But, uh, yeah, they keep they keep coming. <laughs> well, then it makes it better because I see the same kids in every sport all year round, and after a while, I start thinking, "How long has this kid been in high school?" Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's that, their that. brother or sister. Oh, okay. That's why it just seems <laughs> right. like fifteen years. Right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. That's the the army uh, family. I and, you know I had Jalen for four years, and then she had a sister, Addy, and uh, so well, they overlap by a year. But then there was the uh, uh, a couple years after that, I had her, and then there was a little overlap between Addie and then the uh, uh, Jensen, who's a senior now. And so, yeah, for the last <laughs> whatever ten year, eight years, or something like that, we've had we've had an army on the team. So, um, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty cool though. I, it is really neat. I I, I I love that aspect of it because you know each each person's different and unique and brings a different skill set to it. But at the same time, it's kind of neat to see that. Um, you know, the, the bond that they have uh, with each other, the, the sisters, the cousins, the, you know, whatever that have all played. And, you know, even somebody that played back in 2005, let's say, and then they talked to somebody that played in 2017, and then they talked to somebody that plays now. And, you know, there's just a certain bond that all those girls have with each other. Well, that's awesome. Uh, now that you've already beat my alma mater this season, I can <laughs> truly wish you the best of luck the rest of the season. Well, thank you very much. We appreciate it. Um, here, like you said, we got a, we got a heck of a gauntlet to go through to end the season, but, uh, but we're excited about the challenges. Well, hopefully I'll see you guys here pretty soon. All right. Hey, that sounds like a plan. That's the uh, now 200-win coach in Toby Bidlack talking about Continental Soccer. Back with more here in just a few. Are you in Spencerville and looking for a place to eat before the Bearcats play? Well then, head to my place, 128 North Broadway, for deep-fried mushrooms, chili cheese fries, the best pie around, and soup of the day. If you're in a hurry and just want to order some to go, you can give Doug and his staff a call at 419-647-4062, and they'll have it ready for you. My Place Restaurant at 128 North Broadway in Spencerville, a proud supporter of Bearcat Athletics. And as someone who just had lunch there today, I get the uh, grilled chicken, American cheese and mayonnaise and bacon, and some mozzarella sticks. I can tell you it was absolutely terrific. A uh, big thank you to uh, Doug and my place again for the lunch. And they've got specials. They had cheesecake today, actually, as well as one of the pies. So check them out on the uh, Facebook and also on uh, Broadway right here in Spencerville. Doesn't matter where you're going. It's always right there. Open until about 8 o'clock every night except for Sundays, but a lot of good things come out of that place and a lot of good conversation on this show as well. Big thanks to a Coldwater Volleyball coach, Nikki Etzler, and also to a Continental coach, Toby Bidlack, for being a part of this show. That's what I have for this week. I hope that you've enjoyed it, that you maybe learned something, and if not, go read a book. Enjoy the nice weather while we have it, and we'll see you 
what comes up in the next week when we come back to this show. Have a great night and an even better tomorrow. Here I go. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of Around the Hearn. Come back next week for more local stories from the NWO. But until then, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Michael Hearn PBP for more great area content.